This podcast is sponsored by valleygivesback.org. What will you be remembered for? Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what matter to you. Making a gift that costs nothing during your lifetime is easy and revocable if things change. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action inspires others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now. Give later. Impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. Hey everybody, welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indies weekly podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll of valleyindie.org. That's a website that uh, sometimes publishes local news. My guest, I'm going to get right to it. This is a big day for the Valley Indie. My guest is retiring Ansonia Police Chief Kevin Hell. Chief Hell, welcome to the program. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you for uh, uh, letting me come in and talk to you today. Appreciate it. I was, because you're retiring. Over the years, you've always been... uh, fair and professional if you had a problem with something we wrote back when there was a we at this thing you would you would show up and express your concerns uh and i always respected that because it i think it made us better because obviously we're not police officers we're certainly not police chiefs right so you helped us improve as reporters and uh, local journalists by doing that uh and i and i want to thank you for that on a personal note thank you I was shocked. I figured like ah, the guy was just being nice to me all these years. The fact that you're actually here in the room, I'm like, all right, we did okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? And I appreciate uh, uh, when it was you and now it, you, the two of you, and now just you, uh, you, you guys are always fair with us as well. Um, you know, it's some hard stories you had to write on, no doubt, uh, but you're always fair. You always try to get both sides. And, you know, I always felt and, and, and uh, you know, others in our department that we all have a job to do. And, you know, the days of no comment, no comment, those are long gone. You know, that doesn't help us uh, getting information out to the public, especially now in, in this information, crazy information age. But it doesn't help you either. And uh, you have a job to do and you're going to get the information. So why don't we just work together to, to, you know, put out what is necessary and timely and what you need to do to write your stories as well. So that's the way I looked at it. Now, let's talk about now that we've had our mutual love fest. Yes, that's okay, that's over with. That, that's that's over gone. With. Yep. Uh, you're retiring, Chief Hale. I am. I'm retiring. You're taking a job in the private sector. I don't know exactly what you're doing, but I'm going to guess. Are you going to de- into teaching of some kind? No, I'm already teaching. That's what right, uh, right. I Right. No, that. I'm going to maintain that as, as long as I can. I'm already teaching at college, post-university. Um, no, I'm, I'm taking a position with the Haynes Group in Seymour. Uh, as the uh, environmental uh, health and safety manager, um, what so, is that now? See, that, I'm surprised. So they have a they have a um, in essence the job is to make sure their their multiple work sites are as safe as possible. Um, there's a lot of OSHA compliance and uh, uh, you know policy uh, work and so and such. And there's a lot that I'm going to have to learn a ton, which is which is part of the exi- exciting part of this. You know, it's a whole new challenge. It's a whole new direction. What are you thinking? I, listen, uh, this was, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Eugene. That sounds like too much work to me. No, nah, I, I, but that's, that's okay. That's good. That's good. You know, I'm not ready to uh, go home and play golf because well, I stink at golf. So that's, yeah. that's and, and my wife's not going to let that happen anyways. But uh, it's interestingly, interestingly enough, I worked with the Haynes, Haynes Construction before I became a police officer back in the 80s. I was a carpenter. And uh, so now they've grown, and I mean immensely. You know, big company. Yeah, they're and, uh, an economic engine uh, yeah, yeah. in the northern part yep. of the valley. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, and who's the owner? His uh, Tom Haynes. 
I was at a uh, he was he received an award from the Chamber of Commerce a, f- yes. a couple of years ago, yep. and he was great because he had his whole family there yep. and his grandchildren. Yeah, and yeah. His story is really something. He seems like a legitimately nice guy. Big family, and he's got a twin brother, Paul. And, and uh, oh no, um, kidding! Yeah, and big two big family guys, and so I'm really looking forward to. How it. did that come together? Like of all the things, now I'm surprised because you you strike me as a guy who's a lifelong learner. So yes. I guess that part of it doesn't surprise me. But how did this particular uh, job? come your way well so i've been this is uh this is a surprise to most everybody obviously not to me because i've been uh uh, in this mode for a little bit of time now i've been um it was never my goal to stay here until i was 65 that wasn't that wasn't going to happen what's your age i'm 56 okay 56 so i still got a lot i got a long way to go i got a lot of work left to me and, and and that's that was important to me so I've been an uh, Antonio officer, it'll be 29 years, the day before I leave, and uh, 18 in this position, and that's a long time. That's a long time. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed some days more than other days, but uh, um, but you also get a sense that it's, uh, and, and I tell the other guys too, you'll know when it's time to, to you know, it's time to move on, and uh, you don't want to stay too long. Um, and sometimes in these positions, chief of police, you need maybe a different perspective, maybe fresh ideas and fresh thoughts and, and so forth. And I don't have a problem with that, and I recognize that. So um, this opportunity came along and, and sat down with them, and I was, uh, you know, it, there are positions open all over the state, but this is, you know, a company that I know, the people, you know, I know the the, the, the owner obviously well, and, and uh, the timing was right, and um, here we are. And so when is your last day on the job in Ansonia. My last official day is February 15th, Friday, February 15th. Oh, wow. So that's coming right up. It's coming up quickly. Wow. Okay. And then now I know I read in the in the Connecticut Post that uh, Lieutenant Andrew Cota, is, is he the interim? He's going to be interim chief or is he look? Uh, yeah, I, he's going to be the um, the interim chief uh, at midnight. You know, he should be right. sworn in that day and at midnight he'll take over as the chief and then the police commission is... Uh, formulating the plan, the process to to uh, fill that position permanently. Do you, do you make a recommendation as to who do you think should replace you, or is that not something you get involved in? Well, yeah, I, it, it's to me it, sh- it should without a doubt be somebody within the department. Okay, why you know, is that? Why? Well, there 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 are capable people up there. You yeah. know, I have, I have a hundred percent confidence in that. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you who, but but there are there are multiple people that can. They can do this job, and there are multiple people that can fill those positions moving up. So, complete confidence in that. I have complete confidence in that, and I believe the commission will too. So, you know, that's. In it, but what we're still waiting to see is what the process is going to be to to fill this. Um, so, exciting! So t- it's exciting time for for. Uh, you know, I really shocked people. When I, because I told yeah. nobody, nobody knew this. Yeah, and it was a Friday press release. It was a traditional news dump, chief. It, 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 <laughs> Guilty as charged, guilty as charged. But but it was that was I, I didn't Eugene. I didn't want to say you know I'm going to retire 11 months from now. I, I don't I did because then then uh, there's an uh, an eroding of influence, but more importantly effectiveness. Because at at some point it's like all right you can you can go now. You know we're, we're we you're we're all set. So I didn't want to have that long drawn out process. Well, yeah, I want, you know. People think, yeah, he's a good guy, but when is he going to leave? I don't want that. You're not going to show up working cargo pants and a Hawaiian shirt? No, 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 no. Different work ethic. No, I I just, no, I'm going to take the last, uh, I've got a couple of weeks vacation I'm going to take before the 15th. Um, So the the first will be my last work day, February 1st, uh, which is in two weeks. Okay. So let's talk about your background a little, because mm-hmm. that, that's what we do here at the Valley. When somebody says they're going to retire, then we bring them in and say, hey, who are you? Who are you? People what love do you do? that. Uh, you were, you're, I know you're from Ansonia originally, or were you born in Derby? No, I was born in Ansonia, born and raised okay. in the North End. Okay. And how many brothers and sisters? I have one brother. What did your dad do for a living? I know the answer to this, but tell us about your, your, your mother and father a little bit, what they do. So my dad uh, was born and raised in Seymour, and uh, he was one of nine and uh, he was uh, ended up being an electrical foreman at the old Bridgeport Brass, which is now where uh, where the Seymour Police Department is. That was their headquarters, and, the, and that old factory complex going all the way back through Stop and Shop and all the way back down around the corner over there, it became Seymour Specialty Wire. He worked there for 
I think it was just under 40 years. And uh, he was a volunteer firefighter with the charter hose. And I followed him. My brother and I both followed him over there. And uh, he got into politics in the late 50s, early 60s, became the president of the Board of Aldermen. And then when Mayor Joe Doyle uh, became the postmaster, he, uh, my dad became mayor, and he was mayor for a little over two years. Um, got out, he was defeated in 69, and, and he just continued to work and stay busy. My mom was uh, born and raised in Ansonia, one of eight. And uh, she had she had jobs. I mean, she stayed home with me when I was growing up, and uh, but then she's had various jobs. I remember my mom, both hardworking people, both of them. My mom would get on a bus. She would take the Valley Transit. Now we lived up off of North Main Street, uh, heading up towards Seymour, and uh, she would get on the bus at six thirty in the morning and and uh, ride the bus to work in New Haven. She worked at the Knights of Columbus, you know, the big tall building down mm. in the middle of downtown New Haven. And she'd work an eight-hour day, and then she'd ride the bus back, and we'd get home at six o'clock at night. So that was, those were long days for her, you know, five, you know, twelve-hour days every day of the week, and and so they were hardworking people. Um, and then uh, with your dad being involved in politics, I mean, you were just a kid when he was mayor, right? What was that like? Did, was it annoying uh, to have your? I mean, in terms of if he's. Uh, uh, you know, there's a story written about him. And obviously when you're mayor, like 30% of the community doesn't support you because oh, it's course. just the odds. But was that tough as a kid growing up? Or, well, I, and how did he handle it? Um, well, my dad was, uh, he was very stoic. He was very, uh, uh, you know, very uh, dignified, if you will. And he was, a, you know, the greatest generation. He was a nose gunner in a B-24. He flew 50 missions over, over Europe fighting Hitler. And uh, so... Things didn't bother him, you know, because if you if you got through that, then you know yeah, what what else yeah. you know what could be worse. Um, so I listen when he when he was defeated, I was seven years old, so I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the the Register, the Journal, Courier, the Evening Sentinel, or whatever the paper was. But I I do remember him um, at the time. Being mayor was a part time job, so mm-hmm. he would work in the factory all day. He'd come home and he'd take a shower and sometimes he'd eat, sometimes he wouldn't. Then he'd go to his office at City Hall and be there till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. Oh no, because it was literally a part-time job. It was job. a part-time job. And then every, it seemed like every Saturday night there was some event they had to go to or Friday night or, and then there was some events Sunday afternoon. So they were constantly going uh, places. So I spent a lot of time with cousins and aunts, you know, babies, you know, babysitters or, or with my brother. And, uh, so that's what I remember, and I remember the the uh, like the election night and the excitement leading up to the election. I don't remember any of the you know the other details, but uh, and how uh, uh, you know sad it was that night. I remember my brother was very upset, you know that that uh, when he lost that election. But you know, you, you I guess you learn from that too. So. Um, and you went to uh, Ansonia High School, or I went, to Ansonia. I went to public school in Ansonia. When did you uh, graduate high school? Nineteen eighty. Okay. Nineteen eighty. Um, and then, did you know law enforcement? Was that always something you had an eye on? I thought about it, you know, kind of off and on. Um, I went to college a little bit. That didn't work out right away. I uh, wasn't quite ready for that, so I had, I had it worked, and then uh, you know became a uh, got, got in with a, uh, a company out of Derby doing carpentry. Uh, with Kenny Weldon, and then um, ended up with uh, Haynes Construction, and then in uh, February of '90 uh, came here as, a, as an officer. Um, and then, of course, I waited till I, uh, you know, I didn't take the traditional college route where you do it like right out of high school and get it over with. Mm-hmm. I waited till I was, uh, you know, working full time with a mortgage with young kids before I decided. I better do. It's a much easier route that way to get your college and, three college degrees. So that's what I did. And was I mean maybe I, this is uh, I could be totally wrong, but for when I remember growing up, because my father was a police officer and my brother uh, was a police officer, both retired, but that's the way they did it too. And, and, and from what I remember in those days, it really wasn't completely normal for a police officer to high school, college, get their criminal justice degree, and then become a police officer. It always happened the other right. way so and was is that true because it wasn't yeah. like that was unusual no there was days, it, you I probably think. had a mixture of that okay. because um but it just you know I, I laugh about it now it wasn't so funny then when i was going through it and start you know you work work whatever shift and then you know the kids were little 
and studying and and trying to mow the lawn and shovel the driveway and and study and and drive to class. Where were um, you taking classes in those days in the early um, 90s? So the associates de- my associate's degree was uh, from Naugatuck Valley Community College. I was criminal justice, and then I had credits from other colleges and and whatnot, uh, and I put that together at Charter Oak College, State College. It's up on Central's campus, and then I got my bachelor's in 2005, and then I uh, got right into a master's program. I did that online, which was like the single most difficult thing I've ever done. Yeah, I can't. Why did you? Why do all that? Because I mean, you could you could have uh, you had the job as a police officer. You're you're obviously working 40 hours a week at least. Right. Why bother uh, trying to get all those degrees? I liked, I mean, I liked school, you know, I, and it was, um, you know, I knew I could do it. I didn't do it when I, I should have done it, um, but it, Did obviously. you feel like there was something to prove? Kind there of was, yeah. there was a little bit. You know what? I knew I could do it. I knew I could handle it. But then I also, you know, I had two degrees in, uh, in uh, criminal justice, and it was kind of pointless to me to get another one. I mean, what, what else? So I got a, went out and got an MBA, something different, and kind of figuring that once I finished law enforcement, I'd go do something else. So that was, you know, part of the plan back then. So that was 2008 when I got that, when I earned that. And so uh, to become a police officer, to make that leap, though, uh, what were your first days, like, on the job like? And in those days, from what I hear, Ansonia, uh, I guess it was different, maybe had a higher crime rate. I yeah, that, I wasn't even born in nineteen ninety. No, yeah, I was. But yeah, don't don't try to run that by me, Eugene. I, I know better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, what was it like being a, a police officer in those early days? It was uh, well, it it was certainly different. You know, the times change. Obviously, um, the West Side looked different. The Riverside complex was uh, was very active. It was bustling. It was you know it was filled to capacity, and and uh, the neighborhoods were still somewhat like when I was growing up. Um, they're all changed now that, you know, there are different demographics throughout the city. And I knew that coming in where, where different sections were. Um, I can tell you my first day, and then the training then was different than now. I spent 14 weeks in the academy. Now it's 24, 25. Mm. Field training for me was about two weeks. Now it's a minimum 12 weeks required. Oh, wow. So they just kind of throw you out there yeah, in the community yeah, was, where you grew up. Yeah, and it was uh, so, and I had the advantage um, because I was, I knew all the streets. You know, that's always important for new new officers coming in. If they're not from Ansonia, you got to know the geography because mm. if you have to get, you have to know the difference between Holbrook Place, Holbrook Court, and Holbrook Street. You know, you got you to gotta know which end of Kimberly you're going to. You know, so there are... I'm laughing because you know how often there'll be a fire call somewhere and I, it takes me a half hour to get there because I go to the wrong one. The wrong one. Yeah, we, and we I'd have, be a terrible police officer. You know, we have... Lawsuit number, City, it would be with me. You no, know, we have, like, there's two Sheesby's and they don't connect. You know, there's two... And, and it's, it, you know, from projects that never got completed years and years ago. So I remember the f- my first day out on the road, 15 minutes out, and... Uh, we had to make an arrest at Stop and Shop for shoplifting this young woman. And, uh, of course, he blames me, but my FTO locked the keys in the cruiser. <laughs> oh. Now, we didn't have cell phones. He said, wait here. Who was, what was his name? Is he still? No, he, he's you not, don't have to name him. He's right? not here anymore. He retired. And, uh, you know, we, we still laugh about that because he blames me because I was the new guy. Right, of course. And uh, so he said, wait here. So I had to stand in the middle of a, you know, I was in, it was in, uh, that was probably in the end of June and a uh, hot day at Stop and Shop, 3.30 in the afternoon, people everywhere. I'm standing there with this uh, handcuffed. Uh, oh, you'd already fem- arrested the Oh yeah, I brought her out and realized the keys. I could see the keys dangling. Oh. In the, you know. So he had to go in and use the phone on the deck because we had no cell phones and call and ask for a spare key to come down. And so people who I knew were walking by and they're looking at me and it was the strangest thing. And she's laughing. She was, a, she was actually a good sport about it. So it was, it was so that's, that's how it started. That's, that was a, that was the omen right there. That's, that's how it started. And then uh, like we've heard uh, from maybe it was other, you know what it was? I think it was chief Metzler was talking about the retired Seymour police chief who had uh, been in Ansonia yes. for a number of years. And he was talking, I think about, Sort of how Riverside in those days, or the the, the uh, federally uh, subsidized housing, was. Uh, I mean, that thing was kind of 
a disaster just in terms of how it was designed. If like you wanted to do something bad, that was the perfect place to do it just because it was, it faced inward. Right. Uh, it was, and I heard it was open air drug market right. back in the day. Right. Uh, so was it as bad as, or is it, sometimes these things get romanticized a little no, bit in it, a weird it, way, but was it as bad as we right, heard? Right, it, it was. It was, a, it was a horrible design. It was a security nightmare. And uh, Chief Metzler was 100% right because he walked through there before I did. Um, but just a just a uh, caveat to that, the unfortunately the people that lived there then um, w- had that stigma, and it was unfair because I knew a lot of the people that lived in there. I grew up, I went to school with with a lot of a lot of them, and uh, good and decent people, and they didn't deserve that stigma. What was happening was you had a lot of you had maybe some people in there that that were were up to no good, and they were bringing people in from the outside. But I remember how busy it was. The traffic, just cars driving through there, and there were there were uh, two of us walking through there twenty four hours a day. You couldn't leave there. Hmm. Between there were two horse, we called them horseshoes. You had the first shoe, the big one, and the smaller one on the north side of High Street. You'd walk through there and go up on the stairwells, and the lights would be knocked out. It'd be pitch black, you know, and you couldn't see anything. And you, you know, if a, an officer drove by in the street, he couldn't see us up. It, it was really. It was a terrible design. It was designed back in the fifties or sixties for for uh, you know I didn't, not, without the uh, thought of security going forward. But so, you don't see even if they went back and they're supposed to eventually HUD is supposed right. to replace something at the former Riverside, but they won't be anything like those old. Oh, I hope not. Those Boy, old uh, sort I, of institutional like structures. Yeah, but. I hope not. You know, and you felt like it, you know it was hot in the summer because it was all asphalt, mm. and uh, you know you'd see the kids out there and you'd try to you know, play ball with them or whatever and talk to them. And, uh, you, you know, I, again, I, I felt, um, you know, I felt that they were the, the people that live there, they were, were, you know, working or, or trying to raise their kids or living, living a good life, or, you know, trying to live the right way were, were stigmatized unfairly because again, not everybody, most people in there were good people. Yeah. So that coming down is all around a good thing. Yeah, you I think there's it, really no negatives about that not being there. No, it became um, unhealthy. The buildings yeah. were, you know, just old and and super expensive. I guess to uh, to maintain boiler system was a million dollars or something, some crazy number. And and then by the end, I remember Jody Moser, now Jody Gill, did a story looking at the crime rate there had actually because th- everyone thought. Uh, you know, oh, if there's a crime, it was a Riverside. Like they yep. just got right, exactly. people who live there got blamed for everything under the sun, and exactly. still do to some extent. Exactly, because now the theory is, oh, it's everybody who moved out of Riverside is yeah. now committing crimes everywhere else. Which there's really no truth to that, I don't think. But it had actually become a much safer place at the end. There were there were definitely spikes and and occasional violence, but. What? How did that like turn around? Do you think was it just that people were moving out? Because no, was... no, there was a there was a very specific reason for that. In two thousand seven, the United States Supreme Court passed a, a ruled on a case out of Virginia, which allowed local uh, housing authorities to um, ban people from their property um, who did not have a legitimate reason to be there. So we came up with a policy, meaning the police department met with the housing authority. And, and devised a plan, and then we got the uh, the state's attorney's office involved because there would, would likely be prosecutions. And we said, "Hey, we want to be able to officer. We want to be able to to uh, uh, ban people who who don't don't have a legitimate good reason to be there." And so what we did was we, you know, the officers at the time knew, you know, they knew everybody in there, and if they knew if somebody's new, you know, who's who was he or she connected with. So if somebody was just hanging out, just hanging out on a bench and drinking and causing trouble, and they weren't there spe- for a specific reason, we would give them a warning. And we'd ask them to leave. And if they continued, if they came back, then we would bar them. And a third trip back, they would get arrested for criminal trespass. And the uh, prosecutor's office in Derby uh, supported us on that. And they prosecuted cases. And so we were able to force out people that we knew that were in there, whether they were dealing drugs or they were... Uh, just causing trouble for the people that w- were trying to, you know, just live their lives, live their yeah. lives there, and it made, um, you know, didn't get eliminate all of it, but it really went a long way. And uh, so that was that was the impetus for the for the steep decline 
in crime over there. It, it really was. And then one thing, and I'm, I'm backtracking here, and I apologize to bounce around, sure. but whatever, I'm not a professional broadcaster. You had mentioned you, you took a job on the Ansonia Police Department. Part of the motivation was you have a mortgage, wife, family to, to support. Right. Uh, how many children do you have? Four. Four, and it's all boys, right? No, have, I have three. Oh, three, oh I apologize. No, three sons and a daughter. Okay, and what's their age range? So uh, the oldest one is, he'll be 26 in a couple of weeks, and I have the youngest are twins, and they're 21. And of a 24-year-old. Oh, wow. So you had everybody, uh, oh, yeah. know, when you started, it was a whole bunch of house full of little kids. Yeah, I had four under, under the, we had, like, not I, we had four under the age of five. Are they any of them going into law enforcement? Uh, the, the boys talk about it. They're all in the military right now. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Um, they're all active duty. So uh, they, uh, I think their goal is, uh, I think two were talking law enforcement, one may be the fire service, but, you know, that pups some sort of public service. And my daughter is... A senior in college, uh, she's going to graduate, and she's off to uh, applying now to grad school. She wants to be an occupational therapist. So, so um, it's it's been uh, you know I know you have young ones, and it's very quick. I can't even imagine. It's very uh, quick. I don't even know, and I can't imagine. I mean, having four, that's just yeah. Well, you know, listen. Once you have two, then it's just it's a piece of cake. Whatever you, you don't you don't even know the youngest name. Do you? <laughs> The uh, and what's your wife's name? Because I don't Carrie. want Carrie. Carrie. And how did you guys meet, if I may ask? Well, we met uh, at Griffin Hospital in the late seventies. We both had our first job there, working in the dietary section in the kitchen, and we all became friends and we knew each other off and on, and um, started dating in, in the early eighties and married in eighty seven. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about: you brought how many brothers and sisters did you have? One I, brother. Okay, so Gary Hale. Yep. Is sort of a uh, preeminent. I, I like we launched in two thousand nine. Like Gary Hale is like the li- the legend. Yeah, Gary Hale. Yep. Like we'd always hear the, the, yep. this name. So, uh, and 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 he must have been uh, when you were a police officer too. He was. He is Gary Hale. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this question, but uh, what was it like having a brother who was politically involved, sort of a, a mover and shaker in the city and in the in the state at large? Uh, negative for you or or positive or? No, no, no. And, and Gary, Gary's terrific. He's uh, you know, he's he's you know, of course, I'm I'm just a little biased, but Maybe. you know, he's 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 your older brother. He's older brother. Okay. Yep. Uh, Gary, Gary's uh, one of the brightest people I ever met. Um, and yeah, he had a, a when he was younger. I remember the the energy. Um, he loved politics. He was a big, uh, huge fan of the of the Kennedys, uh, JFK and, and and Robert. The whole family. He could recite the entire. He could sit here for hours and just recite the whole. Thing. He was a history uh, crazy on history. You know, he he knows more about you know American history than I. He, should, he ought to be teaching it really. Um, really young, got into politics and and. Uh, you can just see he had this, everybody, people who knew far more than I did, you know, said, you know, he's this brilliant career ahead of him. And uh, he became an attorney and then he ended up in the uh, state Senate. So when I, so he's a state senator from the 17th, we're Senator Logan. So it's uh, this area. And, and excuse uh, my ignorance because we, I, I didn't grow up. But what, what time period was that? Was that like, so you- he was, uh, what was he, 86 to 92? Okay. So, so did, around that time yeah, period. So, he, gotcha. so he, was a, he was in the Senate when I became a police officer. But to uh, Gary's credit, he he always tried to, um, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, try to downplay, uh, you know, never use that influence, never tried to, you know, try to let me go and do what I had to do. So he, it wasn't, um, he tried to lessen his, his own uh, uh, status, if you will, when I was doing that. So it was, it was, uh, you know, and, and it was... It, through no one's fault, people. Oh, you're you're the senator's brother. You, There's you always know. that. Yeah, you, you know, guys he, are walking stereotypes. You know, he got, it's like you know, he's the politician. You're yeah. the police officer. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, all that, as an Irishman, know. I can say that. I think. Yes. No. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I've, and I've heard it. You know, he got you your job and and all that, and he, and that became just a funny after a while. You know, um, but he was, and he's still terrific. We're we're very close. Um, was that tough though? That type of talk in the beginning, like like when you were first chief, because how you're chief nineteen years, eighteen years, it's you eighteen said? years. Pat Lynch will will tell you it's nineteen because it's <laughs> technically the years are nineteen. But I'm 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 being uh, I'm trying to be more accurate. So did I, you feel you had to sort of uh, prove something to people who thought, oh, it's 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 you know, uh, King Hale's brother is yeah. now well, the I chief? Mean, or, I even heard it. You know, you're you're the mayor's 
son in this while he was mayor for oh, okay. 40 oh, yeah. years that's so, true you know after a while I, you know i heard it and heard it and after a while i said you know i'm not gonna just not gonna worry about it. there's nothing i can do about it mm-hmm. i'm just gonna do what i have to do and go out and take care of business on my own and that's what i did and and so i you know i, I still hear it occasionally and you know I, I laugh it off now at this point because it's not worth um i know what i did I know how things went. And after this long on the job, obviously, yeah, you must it, have some idea. What, I mean, that's all been unproven because... Right, right. So, you like know... Guy, we don't hear... Uh, like, me and Ethan tried, believe me. Ethan Fry and I. You know, you go out to uh, Archie Moore is at... Uh, well, I wasn't going to say where. You you know, you run into various people and, hey, what's Kevin Hell really? Like? What's it you? And you, your own people have never said a bad word about yeah. you, which is, uh, you know, impressive because we try, you know? So... <laughs> Well, that's your job. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, you know, come on, this can't be true. But uh, yeah, you're one. You no, know, I mean, doesn't... and after listen, 18 years—that's uh, a long time. And Chief Metzler was 30 in this position. The national average is is under four for chiefs of police. Chief Metzler's a freak, though. Yeah, eight to 30 years. That's wow. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very. I was with him yesterday at a meeting. Uh, and he hasn't stopped smiling, by the way, since, <laughs> yeah, just, since June. Well, so. I, you know, I was going to, because you were saying uh, you don't want to sort of be the lame duck. Chief Metzler sort of embraced that, because we went, when there was some type of power outage in Seymour, we went to the department, and uh, it was basically Lieutenant Sikowski doing, or Deputy Chief at the time, doing yep. stuff. And Chief Metzler made a show of just sort of like coming in in his shorts. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. Hey, how's it going, guys? Just here to yeah. get the mail. He was, yeah. he was quite the hey, character. Hey, listen, I, let, me, let me go back. I don't, I'm not, I don't mean to uh, demean anybody who, you know, he, he did a long, uh, yeah. And, and that's yeah, fine. That was his, this is my thing. This is, right. this is my thought process. Not that his, mine is right. His, it just, his was different. And that's, that's okay. Just this is the path that I chose. This is the plan that I had, and and this is what I wanted. This podcast is sponsored by ValleyGivesBack.org. What will you be remembered for? Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what matter to you. Making a gift that costs nothing during your lifetime is easy and revocable if things change. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action inspires others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now. Give later. Impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. Were there any particular uh, challenges you faced when you were first chief in the city in particular? Like what was happening uh, in the city? Was there any immediate needs that had to be addressed when you first took the job? Because um, obviously like Ansonia and of, of the towns we cover, is, it sort of has the most, uh, you know, it's still a small town but and Derby as well. But you get sort of the big city crime things happen. right. right. Occasionally, I guess. Right, and that was that was uh, continuing. So again, going back to Riverside, that was pre the pre uh, Virginia versus Hicks, which was the Supreme Court case, by the way. Um, pre that, so it was still very active over there, and we were, you know, that was always a, a you know, a, a contention, a, a point of, of concern, not contention, point of concern for us, because again, you had you had kids over there, you had grandmothers living there, and you had these other jerks coming in creating problems shooting their guns off and and so there was uh there was also some contention with the housing authority then uh you know and all all those folks are you know going it's gotten much much better since then so trying to get on the same team so it was um there was no grace period if you will it was kind of you hit the ground running and i had you know, I had good people, I, and I was from the department, so I know who I had. I knew I, who I can count on, and and uh, people I've been hired with, and and so forth. And and we knew what the issues were, and we knew what we should do to 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 straighten things out, to 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 uh, improve things, and and attack these these areas. And so, you know, it I got right into it. We got right into it. There was no like no honeymoon. And then in terms of the thing I want to ask, and I asked Chief Metzler the same same thing too, I would assume uh, it's a challenge to sort of keep politics 
out of what you have to do. I mean, that's important, obviously, because you can't run your department on the whims of whoever's in in city hall. Correct. How have you managed to do that? Like, how have you managed to sort of, or maybe you haven't? I don't know. But how do you how do you keep the politics out of uh, uh, the day to day operations of the police department? Well, that's 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 a critical task because you can't have that. You can't have your you can't have politics in that in anywhere in your police department that's that's just bad you know because it just for for so many different reasons i always felt it was my job to be the buffer you know i'm going to let um if we have a sensitive investigation we're going to uh regardless of who the mayor or the alderman whoever it was you know when talking to us and we're going to we're going to let the chips fall where they may we're going to do the investigation and 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 our officers are going to do what they have to do and and that'll be it and and so i would i would be the buffer and and uh you know that it's not easy that's not an easy task um because i don't want the officers and i would tell my officers yeah just you know well chief what do you think about you know there's going to be some maybe politicians that are concerned don't worry about that you do your job i'll take care of that i'll worry about that you do your job i'm not going to get in your way and you let them do their job and and they're able to to do a better job doing that they don't have to worry about uh, uh influence they don't have to worry about um anybody other than me or, or the bosses within the department running that. So, and an example, like if, I, mean, I don't know if this ever happened, but like an alderman calls up and says, hey, there's an issue on, on this block. The police brothers just doesn't run over there just because he's a, an alderman. Is that sort of the? Yeah, um, right. That That's part of it. Like an alderman, you know, and I dealt with them for, you know, I was trying to think of how many have been, sitting there over the years a lot there's been a lot of aldermen in now yeah, there's and a lot in it i mean they have a gigantic board they of do have a big for, board yeah. yes yeah, so. and and always uh, and so i remember a lot of good people in there and I, and I actually thanked them last meeting which is my last meeting um because that's a thankless job and they don't they don't get uh, uh you know they have to it's a lot of work a lot of volunteer hours and thankless you know they don't get a lot of pats in the back but you know, if there was a particular issue, I, I would be glad to work with them in their neighborhoods. But sometimes I'd tell them, listen, we can't help you with that. That's a civil matter or I can't take we can't take your side because maybe you're as a, maybe you're wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And so that required some, you know, uh, uh, and that's happened on occasion. Um, what about the fact that in maybe this is a nonsense question, but uh, from my perspective, I've never seen the city uh, so divided politically, and maybe maybe it's just because I read Facebook too much, uh, like and the Ansonia community page. Uh, but, you know, this whole thing with the board of ed versus the alderman, and the and, and just all the, and the alderman versus the alderman. Uh, it's sort of sometimes uh, uh, soul draining to to read it all and to be a buffer for it all. Has that? Have you seen Ansonia get any more political in recent years, or is it just that it's just separate from what you do every day? Well, it's there's a so a couple of different points there. It is uh, obviously I've never seen what's happening now. I've never seen this before in all the years. Uh, this is new. You know, oh, okay. With, with See, the, I wasn't with the it, board of Ed New Alderman at, at you know where there's litigation and all that. That's different. So yeah. yeah, so I've never seen that. I really hope for everybody's sake that's get that gets resolved. However, they resolve it. You know, and I'm not. You know, I'm independent of that. That's that's between them. But I, it doesn't. You know, it, it's it's got to get resolved one way or another. Hopefully sooner rather than later, um, so everybody can move forward. Um, the the I, I paid attention uh, as I w- as I should have to to the the, the political wins over the years because you, because I have to. Um, tried you know again try to keep the department out of all of it. Um, you know, obviously, when we go through a budget. As, as we're going through now, um, you have to defend and support your department and, and put out an operating budget. And sometimes you're competing against other departments. And, and But again, that's not new to here. But in terms of the politics and how how that, that you know, I kind of watch it from afar and, and pay attention, but certainly the last thing I want to do is immerse the police department into that. So we were cautious while still doing our jobs. So that's where it, it would get tricky at times. But then I would just tell people, listen, flat out, you know, whether it was a, 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 a mayor or, or an, an alderman, and they were all they were all good about it and never had, really had a complaint. Listen, we're, we're not going to get involved. We're not going to be immersed. We're not going to get dragged into this this political stuff. We have to be uh, as neutral as we can uh, because that's otherwise people lose confidence in us. 
and, and there are people who will say, "Wow, well, that's not true." You did, and so th- the fact that that people disagree with what we're doing or what I'm doing um, likely means that we did it right because you can't please everybody. Yeah, you can't even begin to try, happy. right? Yeah. You, you know, if everybody's happy, then you're not doing anything. How about in terms of, and I, again, I'm switching gears, but in terms of, of criminal cases or arrests or, or th- when you look back, is there anything you're particularly, that, that stands out a, a, as sort of a feather in the cap that maybe, you know, you, you got the bad guy? Yeah. Um, there's, there's been, uh, we have some great officers in the past and currently and uh, dedicated and, and uh, um, we had the, um, the hilltop burglary uh, issue a few years back where a young guy was going into houses at night occupied walking into bedrooms and walking by people while they were asleep which is which is about as frightening as it can get mm. because you know you're in the you know the safety of your own home and you know it's at three o'clock in the morning and you're asleep and if you hear it you don't even know what your name is when you wake up and and to have somebody in your home that's that's and you have kids and so forth that's that's about as you know, bad as it gets, and and so we we uh, we put a lot of resources up there, and we we uh, we spent a lot of time on that case. And I I don't know if you were there, but we had a, a block watch meeting, a neighborhood meeting at the Hilltop Hose uh, Company, and and there had to be three hundred people there, mm-hmm. which was great. And they were actually really, I mean, they're obviously very concerned about all the neighbors up there. But, but uh, it, w- it really turned out to be a positive meeting, and we made an arrest shortly thereafter. And that was is that the one where the person ran into like Derby over the border, ran over the border, and so we were at able Sunset to, Drive or yep. something. Oh yeah, okay, that's right. it, that's yes. the one. Yeah, okay. Um, so that was really, you know, that was a big one. There are other, there are uh, some of the drug dealers that we've taken down over the years that uh, you know we've partnered up with. You know our, our, you know the federal, our federal partners, the DEA and the FBI, and I always felt that if uh, you'd bring in Interpol if you had to to solve something, it didn't matter who got the credit for it, just get it done, get the job done. Um, and there was the one a, a few years back where you had like the press conference at the Armory. Uh, yes, I believe the, it was it was sort of a uh, was that one of the larger ones you had was, over the years because I remember that those particular group of people it was like there was four people who were getting arrested in Derby and Ansonia right, all the time right. in like 2009 to 2011 right. or so right uh, and then it turned out to be those they were I guess had been convicted they were just running drugs all throughout uh, uh, Ansonia and Derby and had kind of a complicated uh, uh, setup is that something you is it had gotten harder to catch. Drug dealers. I mean, the ga- the days of that of, of like street corner sales right. don't right. really happen. Uh, well, as far as I know, right. I mean, so what happens th- that day? I think we hit ten at the same time in four different, four or five different communities. So we had to partner up with, you know, that was a logistical challenge to to put that together because it wasn't just answering your officers everywhere. We had answering at, at each one, but you had to rely on. I, I think it was Hamden and Derby and C- I mean, so we great coordination and that was a highly successful, uh, uh venture. And, and, uh, so that worked out well. Um, I think one of the, one of the things I'm most proud of was creating the anti-crime unit, the ACU, because that forced to get to your point of, uh, traditional drug dealing versus, uh, y- you know, the changes they've made, we forced them to change. We told them, we sent them a good stiff arm saying, listen, you're, we're not going to have this in these neighborhoods anymore. You're going to have to go or you're going you're gonna to get locked up or you're going to have to, you know, they, so they ended up changing their methods quickly. And I, and I, it was, you'd have to, uh, to, to, I mean, first they were, they were burying drugs places, I remember, under stash right. houses. Oh, yeah. They, and then yeah. it was, you, they'd arrange through text messages. It was all sort of right. much smarter than me. If the guys put their energy somewhere else, I mean, they'd yep. be, and they, you know, so they changed their tactics. So we changed our tactics, and we, again, you know, the DEA, and, and we used uh, we asked statewide narcotics to come in. We worked hand in hand with Derby and Seymour, especially Derby, because it seemed like it was just such a crossover daily, back and forth. The same you know, people, there were no yeah. borders. You know, yeah. it was just a. So we're dealing with the same people, and they would have they would gather intelligence. We'd gather, we'd meet, and we'd talk, and and uh, 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 change strategies and and. Uh, you know, wiretaps, and it, it was just, a, it was a, a great police work to chase, to 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 get, and we were successful. 
because a lot of those guys and some of those people deserve, they need to be incarcerated. I noticed like a couple of them are out, or they go. It's, yep, it's yeah, amazing. I mean, and you know, once once a case gets to court, you know, we we move on because the, the courts have their own sets of rules. They have their own protocols. They have their own uh, 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 rules that they have to follow. And so we just tell we tell our guys, don't just move on. Don't pay attention because you may or may not like the result over there. But Again, they they you, you make yourself crazy. I would imagine, sometimes. right? But you don't know what they're dealing with either. Yeah, you don't know what rule. I mean, you know, we make an arrest. Well, they they may have twenty five arraignments that day, so we don't know that. We don't know what what their burdens are. So, you, it, to be fair, just move on. You know, just if they need you, then they need you. Just keep doing your job, and that, and that's so. The crime unit. Um, and that, this, is it still around? Is it, it still is. as fully it is. staffed as it's it was? It's not or? as fully staffed okay. as it was. Um, uh, if I'd always wanted to have that, and uh, it never seemed like the right time, really financially, you know, because there's a cost to it. Mm-hmm. You're pulling, you know, some people out of patrol, and you may have to backfill and pay them overtime because drug dealers don't work nine to five Monday to Friday. You know, and I, you know, anti-crime meant all crime, not just drugs, but that's just the way they. That's what they're dealing right. with at that time period. And then, um, so we had on successive Wednesdays uh, murders, two successive men, Wednesdays murders in Ansonia, um, one on uh, Hill Street and one on uh, Wakeley Avenue. And um, those are the two unsolved ones, or yeah, there there are. Uh, You're pretty sure who did it, but it's. Not enough to get an arrest warrant at this point, is right? It? But so, we're still working that, the, okay. you know. And but those are, you know, I mean, you're still looking at, you know, regardless of, of, you know, when you have these cases, um, you have sometimes in street crime, you have people that were that were were, and it happens all over the place. They were maybe they were part of the drug. I'm not saying these guys were, but maybe they're part of the drug trade and they were murdered. But they're still somebody's family. It's still somebody's kid, brother. Uh, uh, you know, father. So, you know, that can't get lost. You can't, you can't lose sight of that. So those are still, you know, we'd, we'd, we still talk about those cases. We still work on those cases. We'd love to get, bring people to justice on those, uh, just like in every case. You know, I, I remember early 90s, I was the youth officer for a while, and uh, there was a case where a little girl was sexually assaulted. And I, I was never able, I knew who did it, and I couldn't, I just couldn't get there, you know, and that still still bothers me. And that's got to be 27 years ago, 26, 27 years ago. So, yeah, you remember those. You absolutely remember those. But anyways, the, the ACU developed after that second one. I think Wakely Avenue was the second one. I said, well, there is no good time to form the ACU. We're just going to form it and uh, put it together. And they, they hit the ground running, man. They did a great job. Yeah, I can't tell you how many guns. I think five dozen guns they took off the street and a couple hundred arrests and Hundreds of search warrants and arrest and how, warrants. And how many officers were formally in the uh, anti-crime unit? Three. Wow, okay. So we had, um, and then we had a structure to it. And the goal was, it was twofold. It was to attack street crime, first and foremost. But it was also to train officers how to develop informants and how to do that kind of work. Because, you know, not everybody gets to do that. So we, what we had was, we had a, a number of officers that I'd assigned to to uh, the federal task forces, and they they learned from there how to develop informants and how to how to how to build cases, and so they came back and trained. So we were rotating people through the ACU, and developing this group of officers that, you know, just became even when they went back to patrol, they, the goal was that they would be better officers because they knew how to develop these cases now, and so the the goal is to get back to that, and we're we're hopefully getting close to getting that that back up to where it needs to be. And one thing I wanted to ask you about was race relations uh, in the city of Ansonia. I mean, obviously nationally over the last few years, at least from what you read, I mean, there's been a real divide between minority communities and and police departments. It seemed to have, you know, it's depressing that it's 2019 and we we still hear these things. Uh, And I know there has been a, a... like I remember a big meeting a few years back in Ansonia where you talked to people about uh, how to improve or what you were doing, because there weren't any specific Ansonia incidents from what right. I remember. But I remember there was, you, you had talked about 
the efforts to hire, you know, to represent the community. And uh, and Sonia is, if anything, a wildly diverse uh, community. How has that gone for the department? Do you think you can do uh, a better job in terms of hiring qualified uh, minority non-white officers? So we that was at the senior center, um, and it was all four Valley police chiefs. Chief Metzler was there, uh, Chief Narowski. Uh, I think uh, Chief Segura was there from Shelton. It was over right over down the street here. And um, funny that, that there was a young man who got up, his name's Sean Mendenhall, African-American, and, and he, and he uh, made some comments. And we, he was actually in our hiring pro, or he, was, he had applied. We actually hired him. He's, he's on the street right now for us, doing a great job. Oh, no kidding. So, okay. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, what we see, uh, what we see in the news and, and uh, you know, social media certainly doesn't help with that. Um, what do you mean? Well, social media is, you know, is great for so many things. And like you, I don't have Facebook. I, I just don't. Oh, no, I have Facebook. I, I, oh, no, I, I don't. I, 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 yeah, you're not on it. Yeah, I, that's, I, why, that's I, why you I, look better than I do, I, even though you're a little older. I, I don't have any desire. Uh, just one more thing to do. Yeah, it's... Um, but in terms of law enforcement and social media, if we have an incident at a school, for instance, oh yeah, parents are aware of it before we're even arriving, and then we have parent and, and granted, listen, parents are concerned. But if there's an incident, then you know hundreds of text messages are being sent out to parents and whatever, and maybe the media, and we don't even know who's involved or what's happening, and we're already being bombarded by parents and maybe the media and so forth saying, hey, what's going on? What are you doing about this? Why come you guys? And it really puts us uh, at a disadvantage. So we never had to deal with that years ago. We're learning to deal with it now. We're adjusting to that now. But uh, getting back to that meeting, um, uh, and that was uh, uh, facilitated by Greg Johnson, who I, I have a good relationship with. Now, we've had our... He's the executive director of yes, local chapter of, of the NAACP. Chapter, yes. And, uh, you know, we've had our differences over the years, and, and we acknowledge that. And we... Um, but we've, we try to get together two or three times a year, have breakfast, and just talk. You know, how's his family? He asks, how am I... You know, and that type of thing. Hey, what, what's going on? What do you hear in the community? And, and he'll tell me things. And, you know, he, he said, hey, can you... Ch- I had this complaint. Can you check into this this situation? And I'll look into it. I'll get back to him. And, and uh, again, we don't always agree, but you and I can say the same thing. So... But, but that, you can't cut people off, I guess. Because I remember, like the, the the big one, and we covered it too, was uh, Officer Salahuddin, the former police officer. Uh, the local media, not us. This is before we existed. Uh, deemed that case the Garden Hose cop. Right. And I would expect, and he was acquitted. Uh, there was a trial. It went all right. the way to trial, and he was right. quickly acquitted of, uh, I think, a larceny. Right. If I remember correctly. Right. Uh, but that had was that sort of the low point of because uh, there, there there was a lot of talk in the in the community that well this was uh, for Mr. Salhunin himself because of his religion and wearing a beard. I don't remember the exact that had a, how did you deal with that. There was a lot of that going around. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a tough time. That was a challenging time. I mean, I'm not going to get into the details of all that. That's all been looked at and hashed out in, in multiple venues. I I did what I thought I, I should do at that point. Um, you know, I said it then. I said now. I had nothing to do with with anybody's race or religion. Um, it, it it was a case that I thought, you know, again, I did what I thought I should do in that case. Um, that was that was difficult. Um, you know, there's an attorney involved that 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 was there anything like was that sort of a if you look back at anything lows over that period? Does that does that? I mean, obviously, if you a low would be having to tell someone that they lost a loved one. I mean, that's, right. But in terms of right. sort of the management, was that the, the toughest thing to deal with? And was there any lessons that came out of it? Do you think? Um, that's a reporter question, but whatever. Right. Well, I think at the time, so there was a lot of discussion. Again, we're a small police department. So a lot of discussion. Say, listen, you know, you're going to read a lot of things. You're going to hear a lot of things. But you all, we all still have a job to do. And so that's that's point number one. That's the most important point. And if if you're out on your, you know, patrolman, if you're out on your, you're out on patrol, you're on your shift, and you're not focused on what you're doing, you're worried about or thinking about something else, then you're not paying attention and you're not focusing on what you're supposed to be doing. And so your risks are become greater because you're not, you know, you're becoming complacent. Don't become complacent. It's always been the enemy. 
so a lot of those discussions. Um, and officers had, you know, everybody had their own opinions. Um, we got through that. You know, it took some lumps. You know, of course you learn. You learn, um, you know, could be could have been better at communicating things through that whole process. But, you know, it's, it's uh, not everything is... Uh, it's not everything's going to be uh, roses, especially in this position. You know, um, old chief told me a long time ago. There's only uh, you know, there's only two types of chiefs: those those in the barrel and those waiting to get in the barrel. <laughs> you know, and that, and that's the, which one are you? And everybody gets a turn or two or three. And if you stay there, you know, Chief Nuts. I've been here 18. He was there 30. He was in the barrel probably more times than I was yeah. by virtue of his longevity. It's it's you know it's part of the part of the job um but just to finish that point eugene so from that meeting we took several points and we started a process where we uh go up to the high school and we meet regularly now with the kids with the students up there and so we'll get two or three classrooms together in, in the auditorium and it'll be four or five police officers and they come in with these questions and, and index cards and we give a little talk about what we do and the essence of that, I guess, and they get to, and they ask hard questions, and we we're not we answer, them. and they may or may not agree. But my point to them, and when I open that every time, is listen, whatever you call what we're doing here, was not being done in Ferguson. I don't know what they were doing, but they were doing the opposite down there because there was. Uh, hate bitter hatred between law enforcement and the community. It has a whole different community whole different environment down there but i said the point is we want to meet with you and we're not going to resolve all our problems because there's 80 kids and we have 45 minutes to talk but um, at least you can hear from us you can hear why um, we can ask for your id when you're in the back seat of a car and your friend went through a stop sign you you know that the supreme court allows us to to get everybody out of the car and look through the and so that so they understand that and we want you to hear not get all your information from social media, from Twitter and Instagram and all. YouTube, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. You, yeah. you know, ask a question, ask us. Don't just take somebody's word for it. You know, be open-minded in making your own decisions. And if, to, if after all that you still don't agree with what we do, that's fine. I can't change that, but at least you heard from us. And maybe we can continue to talk. And so we've been doing that about four years now. It was right after that. Incident. We we did similar things with the boys and girls club throughout the valley. So and hopefully we can do that again. So we've gotten a lot of positive feedback, but it just seemed like the right thing to do. And 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 just telling them, listen, if you have a problem with the way the officer treated you, don't resolve it there. Comply, then complain. All right. Let if the officer is going to give you a ticket and he thinks you think that he was rude to you or disrespectful or that you're being issued a ticket because of your race or ethnicity, just take the ticket and then complain to the police department, any police department, or it happens later on. And this way, you, you, we don't have an incident, an unnecessary incident. You know, just comply, then complain, and we'll, we'll look into the matter later on. The, uh, the one last thing I wanted to ask you about, because it's been almost an hour, mm -hmm. unless there's other things you want to talk about. Uh, the, the, the police chief, uh, police chief, the police department moving from your thousand-year-old one-room schoolhouse thing right. where, like, the jail is a f former water closet or right. whatever it is, and there's rats in the, or I don't know if there's rats, I'm, I'm putting this up a little, but uh, when, is that ever going to happen? I, I don't think it's ever going to happen. You know, there's never, you know, I, I know there was a press release saying there was, like, ceiling tiles being removed, which I thought, well, that's, so that's, the, that's, that's an odd press release, but that's, that's the, I can uh, say that now because I'm just, I'm down to my, I'm the last man standing, so. so well, that's the pessimist in you coming out, yeah, so, you, right, so you, you keep us grounded with that, and that's good, that's good. No, it's, in fact, we just had a meeting, there's a building committee, we just met again last week, we meet twice a month, um, I'm going to be speaking with the architect today, he's meeting with the engineers today, so we are on schedule to um, hopefully have a bid opening in late spring. Um, and the ceiling tiles are, had to come down because... I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, but, it, right, but, yeah. but no, listen, you brought it up, so I'm going to address it. All so, right, all right. So the ceiling tiles came the down. The ceiling tiles came down. Yeah, well, but understand... Wasn't supposed to be built already? Understand that there's an acre of ceiling tiles. Oh, okay. So the engineers want to see what's above the ceiling tiles to get an idea as to, you know, to run, uh, run all the mechanicals, heat... Uh, you know, HVAC, electrical, plumbing, and so forth. And so, what we're talking about is there's supposed to be a new police department built downtown at the former 
Farrell, you describe where it it's is. It's the sort of former former Farrell's Engineering Building. Okay. It's a it's the new new address is five zero five East Main Street. It's the it's the building on Upper Main Street where the Maple Street Bridge comes in. It has the double parking deck and then the two floors of office space above it. So we're going to be on the top floor, uh, overlooking downtown Ansonia and, and the beautiful Naugatuck River, looking at your office here. If we're still here, yes, you yes. when it's completed in twenty fifty. No, oh, no, 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 no. Come on, come on. Be, All be right, positive. I'm being positive. I'm being positive. But how, uh, any uh, qualms about retiring as that move or that whole thing is being uh, well uh, unf- unfolding? So spring 2019, you said opening bids for it? Right, so you're okay. looking at a, a mid, mid, you know, conservative mid to late 2020 uh, grand opening, moving in. So it takes about a year, 10 months okay. to a year to to uh, to do the job. Um, so we're, we're on schedule for that. Um, so there are, you know, you're not seeing a lot there, but there was a lot being done. And okay. while the architect is designing it, you know, that takes months because they have to design every light switch and every, you know, every outlet and, and everything else. And police departments are complex. They're not designing like just an office building. So there's a lot involved, uh, special air systems and the, the whole cell holding block area and the evidence storage and all that. So prisoner, uh, transportation and all that. So that's moving along. In terms of me leaving, people ask me, well, listen, you you know, you drove this, you know, I was a big part of the, the referendum in 16. To me, that was the hard part. Because if the, if the citizens said no, then our interview would have ended already because we wouldn't be talking about that. So to me, that was the hardest part is getting permission, the approval by the taxpayers to spend $12 million to, to do this. And so that was done, that was a, uh, that was a great victory. And so now, yeah, there's a lot of hard work still to go, but there's a, there's a good, strong building committee uh, working, you know, with, with Sheila and Sheila O'Malley's on the committee, um, working, talk to her almost daily on this, you know, certainly three times a week on this. Okay. Um, a lot of things going on there. So the committee, you know, the, uh, the, the good thing about a good, strong committee is that if one member leaves, it still goes. So, I, I'm not indispensable, nor should I be indispensable. Now you're indispensable because you're the only. So if you go, then that's it. But there, I'm not indispensable. People already think I'm gone. <laughs> what are you talking about? So, um, you know, is there is there ever a right time? I don't know if there's ever a right time. I just said, you know, it, it feels like now is the right time. The building's moving along, and it's going to get done whether I'm here or not. You know, and I'll come back someday and, and take a walk through and say, well, you know, nice job, good for you. And you think that's the best location for it? It is. I, I, you know, listen, we're, we're, we're on main street. I, I like the way that, you know, but we, we are our access is going to be East main street. Um, we're going to, we're going to be downtown. It helps downtown it, geographically near the center of the city it, where Elm street is, is, you know, you know how it is. There's no parking. Yeah, there's there. no parking at all. There's no parking. It's 125 years old now. How many like police officer or police cruiser accidents have you had like come? Because that's a crazy intersection to begin with. Is yeah, that- the, if you go around the so it'd be the northwest corner of the building where the Sally Port is. That was an add-on in 1980. They added that on. That wasn't there. Um, the corner up to about like Fender Height has been chipped away. Because it's just yeah, that turn is. It, but it's hard because yeah. there's a handicapped parking spot right there. So you really have to you really have to pay attention going around. And there's cars parked on the left. You really have to pay attention. So that's been hit. Quite a few times over the years. So that that's gonna are you gonna save that uh, corner for posterity? No, I'm gonna, or gonna like forget that? the address. We're gonna forget the location and <laughs> come down here and move on. And that's it. All right, Chief Hell. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, touch upon uh, that I haven't raised? I mean, I know there's a million other things yeah. uh, we could talk about. So yeah. I hope people. Uh, I hope I didn't mess this up. But uh, no, I, I just you know. The, you know, obviously, family first. We talked about my terrific family, and and uh, I appreciate your bringing up my parents. And, and uh, you know, I lost; they're both gone. Um, you think about them all the time. Uh, my wife's terrific. My kids are awesome. Uh, but the people that I work with, you know, there they're going to be things that that I miss uh, in this job, and things that maybe I don't miss as much. I, I can tell you that I'm I'm not going to miss night meetings. Um, and and people may say, "Wow, well, what what's the big deal?" Well, it's been 18 years of night meetings and, you know, away from kids and basketball games. And, and so, you know, when they were younger and so now it's, I'm not going to miss that, but you, you develop, I developed uh, relationships over the years, 
throughout the city with people. Um, met a lot of great people. A lot of people I knew before growing up here. Um, but the people in that building are, are pretty special to me. You know, they're they're I was hired with a number of them and have been fortunate enough to be part of the hiring process. I think over thirty of them, and some that have left, and some, many that are still here. And, and uh, you know, you, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss them uh, because you develop those relationships, and you know, you find out how their kids are doing, and and not just the cases they're working on, but but the new car they bought or where they went on vacation, and just those conversations and laughing and joking with them, and that's. You know that's going to be the hard part. That's going to be the hard part. They do a terrific job. They're they do a phenomenal job, and a difficult job. Not just in Ancelia, it's anywhere. You know, law enforcement has changed. Um, law enforcement officers are. Uh, you know, there are issues obviously with officers killed in the line of duty every year, um, and but also the the other issue that's just as big as officer suicide. Mm. And uh, you don't hear about that as much. We're hearing as, more about yeah. it, but it's it's. It's and we've experienced. I've experienced a couple of them hmm. since I've been here. Uh, one guy I went to the academy with, and um, those are hard, hard situations. They really are. They're, and and so I have a concern. Um, you can. I'm always concerned with how officers are doing and and what's going on because you don't really know exactly what's going on, whether in their home life or what's what they're thinking about or whatever. And and uh, we see it too often in too many places that are too close. And so I worry about them, but that's that's the biggest part. I I thank them for all they've done. Um, you, you know, it's been as I said, my honor to to be the chief for so long and to deal with these you know these terrific people. So that's what I'm going to miss more than anything. All right, Chief Al. Uh, on that note, I want to uh, thank you, and I guess on behalf of the city of Ansonia residents, I'll, I'll put that hat on. Thank you for your service over the years. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing. Me. When's the going away party? I don't know. All right. I don't know. Not Somebody, my call. Somebody's got to get on that. Well, maybe we'll have it here. It's probably big <laughs> enough in here. To... Can we use it as a fundraiser? Sure. All yeah. right. Thanks, Chief Hal. Thank you, Eugene.